that almost all of you are sitting in the same place here that you did in the Civic Center. <laughs> now, there's a few of you. There's a few of you. Isn't that funny? And now we were laughing about that as I walked onto the stage from the exact same side that I normally walk on when I've been sitting in the back over here the whole time. This would have been a lot easier. <laughs> Just come this way. Creatures, creatures of habit, I guess. Uh, so what, what do you... As, as, a, as a preacher, um, th this has been my thought for the last several months. What do you talk about in the very first message in your very first building? W where do you go in, in Scripture? What things do you share on the very first Sunday that you're together? Like, that's the question that's been playing over and over in my mind um, this summer. And, and I'll just tell you, We've had an absolutely crazy summer. And, and so it's like every event that, that we've had, we've had several events with, with Trent, every trip we've taken, we, uh, we went down to Galveston with the whole family to celebrate Andrea's parents' 61st wedding anniversary, which is cool. Then two weeks later, we drive to Idaho and um, spend some time with my parents as they celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary. Uh, and, and even just um, literally 10, it's 1030, literally 38 and a half hours ago, we dropped Trevor off in Champaign, Illinois to go to the University of Illinois for his doctorate. So we drove there on Friday. That's kind of cool. We drove there on, on Friday. It's an eight-hour eight hour drive. Drove there on Friday. Uh, Got there, moved all of his crap up into his apartment, um, which is mostly just drum stuff. There's heavy drum stuff up and down. Um, and uh, he has this uh, one room, like studio apartment in a really ancient house about a mile from campus. Uh, the best part about it is right across the street is a really beautiful park. Uh, and uh, on the other across the street, there was a bunch of guys playing soccer. He's never played soccer, but if he wanted to, it's there. And that's really what it's about. It's uh, cool. He can go out there and, and see that. Um, so we dropped him off Friday uh, afternoon. We unloaded him. We took him to dinner. We went to Walmart. We had, you know, he didn't have anything. He needed groceries. He had to get a desk and a chair. All those college things that you have to do. Uh, and then 7 a.m. Um, Saturday, we were up and back on the road and, and got home yesterday, and then I was down here uh, at the church um, the rest of the evening. And so all of these events this summer have just, for me anyway, they've just been like checkmark things moving to, to this moment, moving to this time when we could be in our own building and, and, and I could share with you um, a, 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 just what, what God's laid on my heart. And so th this whole summer has been just like, I've tried to enjoy things, but it hasn't worked very well. It hasn't been very relaxing because it's just been about what's the next thing and uh, getting everything done. So I was um, thinking, there are, there are four times in the life of Jesus, uh, his earthly ministry and life, where he referred to the temple, the, the temple in Jerusalem, Israel's temple, as my father's house. Four times he did that. In Luke 2, he, he was a young boy. Maybe you remember the story. Uh, his, uh, Joseph and Mary had taken him to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And as they were leaving, Jesus kind of snuck off. And, and they didn't know where he was for three days. Isn't that amazing? 
And when they finally find him, they're like, they're, they're, they're upset, you know? Imagine losing your child for three days and, and then finding him. They're like, what are you doing? And, um, and so Jesus' statement was this. Um, he just said, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? In, in John chapter 2, it's the, it's the first time. Jesus is much older at this point. And Jesus uh, clears the temple flea market. There was all kinds of stuff going on that shouldn't be going on. And Jesus goes in. It's the first time he clears the temple. And, and he says this, um, do not make my father's house a house of trade. And then a, a little bit later in John chapter 14, while Jesus is talking to his disciples in, in, in the upper room, and, and uh, Lance and Tanya mentioned it. John chapter 13 was the upper room and the Last Supper and all that stuff. And in chapter 14, Jesus says to his disciples, in my Father's house are many rooms. And then in, in Mark uh, 11, Jesus doesn't use the exact words, in my Father's house, um, but, but he, he is quoting God the Father and what God said. And, and so Jesus says this, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And, and so if Jesus wouldn't have been quoting his father, he would have said, my father's house is to be a house, a house of prayer for all nations. And so over the next few weeks, we are going to dive into each of these passages a little deeper and, and see what we can learn about the father's house, because this house isn't our house. This house isn't our house, it's really his house. And so how does he expect us to live? How does he expect us to function? What does he expect us to do while we are here? So we're gonna be looking at that. Uh, before we jump in any farther though, let's take a second out to, to pray because I, I need it this morning. Father God, we, just, uh, we thank you for this house and for the opportunity to come and, and to worship you, to worship your son Jesus, to lift him Hi today. We, we pray that as we move forward and, and, and we prepare for really a, an, an official kind of grand opening in this area, that, that you'd be moving hearts and, and minds al already, that, that this place really would um, be a house for you and would be filled with people who, who just want to know you and to look more like your son a, a little bit more every day. And so bless us as we look at your word today. Bless us as we, as we come and we be here and we, we move throughout the building. And, and just, um, Father, thank you. Thank you for this house. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's, it's kind of a, a little weird, but um, ha have you ever been in a really great lobby? <laughs> Anybody ever been in a really great lobby? <laughs> And, and I realize that's a, that's a silly question, but for, for most of us, we don't think about lobby, lobbies that way. Um, they're, they're like really just um, holding cells before we get to really, where we really want to be, or maybe in some cases, they're holding cells before we get to places we don't want to be at all. Uh, and, and so sometimes it's not fun, but we don't usually think about lobbies like this is a good lobby or a, a bad lobby. But when you experience a really great lobby, it's pretty cool. I, I remember when I was a, a kid, uh, grew up in, in South Central Oregon, and my sister began dating a, a guy who attended the First Nazarene Church in, in Medford. It was probably the, the biggest church, certainly the biggest church I'd ever seen or uh, ev ever just been to the building before, and they got married there. And I remember going for the uh, rehearsal and rehearsal dinner and all that stuff, and I walked in the front doors, 
I've never seen a church this big. Uh, they, they had a fantastic lobby. When you walk in, of course, they had m- multiple rows of, of double doors across the front. And when you walk in, it was just, it was, it was huge, at least to me. I was a little smaller back then. It was an incredibly enormous space. And there were like tropical plants all over the place, like big tree, bushy things all over. It was really cool. And it was, I remember it had like, like dark green, like hunter green carpet. It was like a tan walls. It was just really neat. There was a, a water feature in the center of this great big space with a, uh, some kind of statue in, in the center of it. It was just, it was just, it was, all, it was like peaceful. Like you walk in, it was like really cool. Um, but I think the thing that stuck out to me most was as you walk left uh, around kind of the worship area and you walk towards another part of the building, um, there was a racquetball court with a glass wall. And so you could stand in, in the lobby and watch people play racquetball. That's coming. It's phase 762. <laughs> but we need a racquetball court in here because I've got to practice uh, to beat DJ and his dad more often. Uh, <laughs> a, a great lobby doesn't just make it easier to wait. It allows you to actually enjoy the wait. To, to turn a, a time that, that, that you weren't looking forward to, <laughs> none of us look forward to getting into the lobby and having to wait to be called and what comes next, but it turns this, it turns this time where we have to wait in, into a time where we don't really mind waiting. A good lobby gives you this opportunity to just kind of chill out and be glad to be there. Like great lobbies have been carefully planned to make as many people as possible as comfortable as possible. And so from the art that you see on the walls to the seating to the, the flooring that they use and the music that they're playing, a good lobby invites you to wait. It, it doesn't just make you want to leave and, and get out. And we've all been in those lobbies where like, it's like nobody put any thought into this at all. I just want to get out of here. I, I think about this. At any point in time when you walk into a, a Starbucks, and pretty much any Starbucks any, anywhere ever, uh, or, or, or Barnes & Noble, maybe, they, they've done a really good job at this too, I think. And uh, Reverie uh, Coffee on Douglas in, in Wichita. At any point you walk into those places um, you're going to see people just sitting and enjoying being there. Like they, they didn't like. Yes, there's coffee or there's books and things, but they, but they wouldn't have sat down and just spent time there if it wasn't comfortable. If it wasn't a place that they kind of wanted to be. So a really great lobby makes a difference in in how we function in in those spaces. L- living rooms are completely different from from lobbies. Living rooms are completely different. Living rooms aren't designed for others like like lobbies are. Living rooms are designed for us. Living rooms are designed for for me. Our pictures hang on the wall. Our favorite channels are programmed into the the TV. Um, The seating and the colors and the flooring it's all about us, what, what I like, what I want, what I'm into, the things I want to remember. Those are the pictures we hang on the wall, the things that have meaning to us. I, I am perfectly comfortable in my living room because it's designed for me. 
I like to be there. My living room is not designed for you. When, when, when you go, um, that, that might be fine. Like, you are welcome into my uh, living room. You, you are wanted in my, my living room. And I, I hope that if you're there, you, you will feel that. But it's always going to be my living room. I'm not going to hang your pictures on my wall. Because that would just be creepy. <laughs> When you come over, you're going to see pictures on the wall of, of my children, of, of moments in my life that I want to remember because it's my, it's my living room. The art that we have hanging on the wall means something to us. We, we, we have I, uh, Jim. I, you know Jim. Do you all know Jim in the back of the camera, the long-haired guy? He couldn't get a job in most places. Uh, which is why he's an artist and works in his studio at home. Um, Jim, is, Jim is an incredible, can we just say world-renowned artist, painter. He, yeah, it's pretty good. He's pretty good. Um, by the way, how many of you got the email and, and went and watched a video that he and Julie put, put together? A few of you. This was really good, wasn't it? I thought that was really cool. If you go to, um, you go to our new website, reallife.faith, it's the uh, background video that plays in the header, um, which, which, is, which is pretty cool. Thank you guys for, for doing that. Um, anyway, I say all of that to say, w we have a couple of Jim's pieces hanging up uh, in, in our house. And, and I don't know if you're aware of this, we are not really country folk. Uh, I, I have owned, a, I owned a pair of Roper, like lace-up boots, Years ago, when I moved to Kansas first, I was like, oh, I got a good pair of boots. I'm in Kansas. Um, and then I decided, you don't need boots in Kansas as long as you own guns. So I'm, I'm good now. I'm, I'm a real Kansan. Uh, so, we, so we have art hanging up in our house that, that is meaningful to us. It's things we like. Like living rooms are designed for us. Lobbies are designed for others. Having this house to, to worship and do life together in, it, it's, it's great, and, and I hope you, you feel that. <laughs> I, I get asked a lot, you know, uh, are you just like, is your head just swimming? Like, are you just so excited to be here? And, and I've I got to be honest with you, like, yes, there's a part of me that's like really excited to, to be here, but I'm here every day just about and, and I am fully aware of all the work that needs to be done. <laughs> and so, I, so it is very hard to concentrate and to be excited because there's so much stuff that I, that I want to get done. As I walk around the building and I see the pictures that we have up, um, I'm like, man, I, I'm ready for that. Like, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that we have this space. I really am excited for the work that we're going to do together because we're going to learn a lot of things about each other. We're going to build relationships and friendships over the next several months, uh, years, decades. I don't know how long it's going to take us. Um, but I I'm excited for that. Ah, but, like, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And, and so I'm, I'm a little bit excited. And, and then I'm like, ah, there's just a, a lot of... A lot of stuff. I, I, I was beginning to wonder after 16 years, is this ever going to actually happen? <laughs> Are we ever going to have our own space or am I just going to retire and we're still going to be meeting at the Civic Center? Thank you, Lord. Uh, that didn't happen because that would have been, that would have been, uh, it would have been rough. But having this, 
having this house, having this place to, to worship is, is, really, is really great. But if we start treating um, this house like our house, like our living room, if, if we begin making it comfortable for us and hanging our pictures on, on the wall that means something to us, but may not have any connection to anybody else that walks in the door. If, if, if we start setting this place up as our living room, as our house, is it gonna be comfortable for anybody else when they walk through the door? Those are the questions that go through my head. There are lots of churches in, in, the, in the world that look a lot more like living rooms than they do lobbies. They cater to the wants and the whims of the people who are there and, and really, unfortunately, care little for those who are lost. And, the, and nobody would say that, by the way, right? Like, like, no church would say, and we don't really care about people outside. Like, every church says, we care about people who are outside. And, and, and maybe they do really care about the lost and, and people who are going to come in. But when you walk in, everything you see is about the people who are there. It's all about us. It's all about making us comfortable, uh, giving a place for us to remember the past. It's our pictures on the wall. It's the art that inspires us, not necessarily others. Last Sunday at our, uh, we're just going to call it the demolition dedication. Uh, so last Sunday, I, I mentioned a, a couple um, speeches. I mentioned a, a kind of a speech, a little sermon that Moses gave at the dedication of the, the temporary tabernacle, that the movable church that, that Israel used when they were wandering in, in the desert. And, and then um, I, I mentioned Solomon's uh, speech as the nation of Israel in their, in their permanent location began work on the permanent temple. And in, in both cases, the temporary tabernacle and the permanent temple, they were to be beacons to the rest of the world. They were to be places into which people from every nation and every tribe and every tongue could come and experience God's love and his forgiveness and, and, and purpose in their lives. And, and I think that's something that Jesus was trying to convey to his disciples in John chapter 14. He said this, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? The word um, translated rooms in, in, the, in the text, Julie, if you go to the next one, I think it's hopefully will come up. Okay, there you go. Good, it worked. All right. By the way, I was going to tell you in the beginning, <laughs> uh, it may look that we, like we have things together. We don't have things together. There, like, there's so many things just up in the air. Like, is this going to work? Is it not going to work? We don't, we don't know. Um, but but we're, going to, we're going to continue to work on it together. You're going to be able to see it uh, each week as we come together. So in this, in this text, the, the word rooms is translated in the, in, the, in the ESV, or the word is translated ESV, rooms. If you look at it in another translation, you might see it says uh, mansions. In, in my father's house are many mansions. And we get excited about that. Like, ooh, I get a mansion. Um, but the, the literal 
translation of, of the word. It's, it's actually, it, it's spelled almost like money. It's uh, mané or something like that. Uh, the, the literal translation of that word just means dwellings. And so you think about it this way. Jesus was telling his disciples, look, in my father's house, uh, and, and in that culture in the Middle East, the, the father, the patriarch, um, had what's called a bedov, and, and, it's, and it's his home. And so it's, it's he and, and then wife and then children, and everybody lives in their father's home. If you get married, you bring your wife into your father's home. Uh, that, that father, that patriarch, could bring other people, um, nephews and, and others, and br- bring them in. Oh, my goodness. I just saw a bunch of children running down the hallway. I think they're being sneaky, and I don't know what's going on. It's a little scary. I'm sure they're fine. No, they had an adult there. Don't worry. There's adults. There was an adult with them. Yeah. No, they aren't just running crazy through. Like, somebody is with them. But I don't know what they're doing. Uh, <laughs> So, so this, that was weird. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Like we put them down at the other end of the hall for a reason. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, that's not true. I love having kids. I love that they're, I love that they're here. Uh, uh, okay, so the, so the father, the patriarch in the house, he could bring other people into, into his home and they would be a part of the, they'd be a part of the family. They'd be a part of the, of the father's house. And so Jesus is saying, look, in, in my father's house, in my father's Badoff, that there's lots of dwellings. There's places for everybody to, to come. And so Jesus, he, he utters this statement about how his, his father's house has enough room for, for everybody, like for anybody who wants to come and be a part of, of his father's house. It's here. And he, and he utters this statement as kind of sandwiched between two like really powerful moments in the text. Um, and, and Lance and Tanya mentioned it earlier, John 13. Uh, so lots of stuff happening in that chapter. So Jesus and the disciples are celebrating the last.
Supper there in the upper room. Jesus, uh, the first thing that happens is Jesus, they're having dinner, and, and he says, one of you is going to betray me. And, and they ask, who, who is like, not me, not me, not me. And Judas is right behind Jesus, and he's like, not, surely not me. And Jesus says, the one who I'm going to give this bread to, to, to dip in the, in the wine, and he hands the bread to Judas, and, and like everybody freaks out. Like they can't believe anybody would betray him. And, and Judas is freaked out because he's like, he's been outed. Like it's like, now it's, no, he like, Jesus knows, oh my goodness. And so Judas gets up and he, and he runs, he runs out and like everybody is stunned. They just like can't believe what just happened. And, and, and Jesus goes on talking and a few minutes later, he, Jesus is like, oh, by the way, uh, Peter, you, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to disown me. You're going to, you're going to swear by God that you have never heard of me, you've never seen me, you've never met me, you, you, don't, you don't know me. And again, everybody is stunned because Peter's the guy who was always like right, he was right there with Jesus. And, and everybody's waiting for Peter to do what, Jesus, what Judas did. They're waiting for Peter to kind of get freaked out and jump up from the table and run out the door, but he doesn't do it. And, and so they're all just like wondering, like, what's going on? What's happening here? What's happening to her? Like, it feels like it's just falling apart here. It feels like it's the end, but it can't be because this guy's supposed to be the king and he's supposed to usher in this new kingdom and, and they're all just freaking out. And so they don't know what to do and they just kind of let it all, they let it all happen and it just plays on. And so in, in the midst of this, after these two events, this is where Jesus says, in my father's house are, are many places to dwell. I told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And, and then what happens in the story? <laughs> well, that night, they go out to pray, and, and Judas betrays Jesus, and he hands him over to the religious leaders. And then, and then a short time later, you have Peter there denying that he even knows who Jesus, who Jesus is. And then Jesus goes to the cross, and, and he's killed. And, and the disciples think like it's over. It's over. All this stuff that we've worked for, this guy that we believed was the Messiah, the one who was promised, and it's, and it's over. And you go, what does Jesus accomplish on the cross, though? Jesus says, in, in my Father's house, there's lots of places to dwell. Like There's room for everybody to come. And, and he says, um, I am going... But I'm not just going away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then he goes to the cross. And his death pays the price for sin. His death on the cross makes it possible for every person, every person who pledges allegiance to him as the king, to dwell in his father's house, to be a part of his father's kingdom and home forever. Jesus didn't go to the cross so that only the cool kids could come over and play. Jesus went to the cross so that every person possible, even the ones who would deny him to his face, might repent and have the hope of heaven. Like, that's a huge deal. And so maybe what Jesus was saying in that moment is, look, my father's house has room enough for everybody and I'm going to the cross because this is the way that I'm going to make it possible for you to come and be in my Father's house. 
Jesus didn't die so that we could just build monuments to ourselves and have great big lobbies that have statues and water features in them. I mean, that's cool, but, but he didn't go to the cross for those things. He didn't go to the cross so that we could just be comfortable in our own house with only the people that we want to be there, with only the people that we say, you're, you're enough, you, you matter to me, I'm going to open the door and let you in into my living room. Jesus' blood on the cross paid the sin price for every person. And that's why in, in this house, and that's why in every house that, that bears God's name, every person is welcome. It's, it's why when we worked on the plans for this house, we tried to create a place that would be as comfortable as possible for the first-time guest as it is for the lifer, as it is for us. A place that's not just, just like has memories and shared experiences for us, and it, and it will, it absolutely, it absolutely will. Um, let, me just, let me just say this. I was not planning on saying this. Um, th- there were some dangerous things going on last Sunday, if you're aware of that. Especially when little children were walking around with hammers and sledgehammers and crowbars. and Yeah, now look, I, parents were close by. It wasn't like I just handed out a bunch of hammers to the kids and said, go have fun. Like, their parents were there. They, they were near. There, there, was, there was some, was some adult, adult supervision. It was mostly me and Chad, but was still, we're adults. <laughs> there... <laughs> There were some moments that were a little crazy, and I was talking to somebody this last week, and I'm like, yeah, that was, it was, it were, it was a little scary for me. At some, at some, like, Chad was like, he was fine. He has kids. They were there. He was like, I don't care, whatever. If they get knocked out, they don't cry for a while. It's good. <laughs> and so, um, like, it was a little bit, but here's what I was thinking. <laughs> your, your kids are, are old enough to remember and, and they might come in this building 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and maybe they're going to bring their spouse here one day. Maybe they're going to get married in this place. And as they walk by that lobby area where those walls came out, they're going to remember, <laughs> I did that. I got to help with that. I helped build this place. That's a cool moment. We want to have those experiences here, but we also want to be aware that this house isn't just for us, it's for others. From the architecture uh, to the seating, which is coming hopefully sooner rather than later, to to the, the programs and the spaces we have planned for our kids, we want this house to welcome every person possible and invite them to find real life in Jesus and look more like him every day, right along with us. There are a lot of rooms here in this building and we want them all filled with people who are learning to live and love and look a little more like Jesus. And so as we continue to work on the buildings, we continue to move uh, towards that. I hope that, that we can remember that this isn't 
just our house, that this house is his house. And we want to welcome every person he brings here because Jesus died for them just like he did for us. And every person, they are always welcome and wanted by our Father, just like we are. Let's pray. God, thanks for loving us and thank you for bringing us not just to this place, but into this place, this house. Our prayer like Moses and like Solomon is that this house would be known by the name of God. And that as people come in, they wouldn't just find us, but they would find you. They would find a real and deep and personal relationship with their Father who loves them so much. And so no matter what we do to the outside or the inside of this house, would it be done so that it's not just about us, not just so that we're comfortable, but so that every person possible, every person that you bring into the parking lot and in through the doors would feel welcome and wanted by us, just like they are by you. And so, Father, would, would this house be your house? In Jesus' name.